Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Today on the show, I will be joining Anthony Knockreiner on the Knock On Sports to talk a little bit about the Seahawks game against the Cowboys, as well as the game coming up in Miami on Sunday. But before we get there, I usually run down the injury report, and it is a long one for the Seahawks. So if you do want to skip past this to get right to the recap and look ahead to the Dolphins, you can do that. Also, going to be getting into our week four picks of the season. On Wednesday, there were six players who sat out due to injury, three with groin injuries, three with knee injuries. Dwayne Brown, Quentin Dunbar, Jordan Brooks all have a knee injury, did not practice. The good news for Dwayne Brown is that he went to limited practice on Thursday. Benson Mayoa, Puna Ford, Jamal Adams all sat out with a groin injury on Wednesday. Puna Ford and Benson Mayoa were limited on Thursday. So Jamal Adams joining Quentin Dunbar and Jordan Brooks as the three players who did not practice either day. Nico Thorpe and Leno Hill, they were limited in practice on Wednesday. Nico Thorpe working through a hip injury, Leno Hill with a back injury, neither practiced on Thursday. Chris Carson limited in practice both days with a knee injury that he suffered at the hands of Cowboys defensive tackle Tristan Hill. Will Disley, he moved from limited participant with his Achilles to a full participant in practice on Thursday. Shaquille Griffin limited in practice both days with a shoulder injury. Carlos Hyde also suffering through a shoulder injury and limited in practice both days. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Greg Olson, all three of them, received veteran rest on Wednesday and then moved to full participants in practice on Thursday. Some injuries piling up on the offensive line. Damian Lewis with an ankle injury was a limited participant in practice both Wednesday and Thursday. Ethan Posick with his ankle and knee injury went from a limited participant to a full participant in practice on Thursday, so good news there. Veteran guard Mike Upati with a knee injury, limited in practice both days. Cedric Abwehi, backup tackle. He was a full participant on Wednesday, and so not listed on the injury report on Thursday. He had a pectoral injury, so it looks like he is getting over that. Linebacker Cody Barton dealing with a quadriceps injury. He went from being a full participant on Wednesday to a limited participant on Thursday. And then looking down the rest of the list, Jaron Reed with a back injury, a full participant. LJ Collier's wrist, full participant in practice. Jamarco Jones listed as a full participant both days with an elbow injury. Trey Flowers with his hand injury and David Moore with an ankle injury, both of them listed as full participants. Head on over to fieldgoals.com. Jamal Adams, Quentin Dunbar, and Jordan Brooks. Those three names definitely going to be the three to watch going into Sunday's game. A much shorter list for the Miami Dolphins. Just six players listed. Backup quarterback Tua Tungavailoa was listed with an illness. He did not practice either day. Byron Jones, their starting cornerback, did not practice on Wednesday, but a limited participant on Thursday. He has a groin and an Achilles injury. Safety Kayvon Frazier with a shoulder injury. He was a limited participant both days. Their other two safeties, full participants in practice on Thursday. And cornerback Xavier Howard went from a limited participant on Wednesday to a full participant on Thursday with his knee injury. So definitely some injuries to watch there in the secondary for the Dolphins, but Byron Jones probably the most notable and maybe the most likely to end up on the injury report as either doubtful or out. And we got through it. That was a long one for the Seahawks. Hopefully with that bye week coming up, some much needed rest after the Vikings game next week. That's going to be something to watch too as the Vikings played against the Tennessee Titans this last week. And now the Titans game is going to be moved to some time later in the season. They won't be playing the Steelers. 
And so the Vikings and their testing situation is going to be one to watch to see how they came out of that game against the Titans. Time now to get to my chat with Anthony Knockreiner and the Knock on Sports. Lots of games to pick. Lots to talk about with these two games from last week and this game coming up on Sunday with the Dolphins. One of my favorite times of the week when we get a chance to chat a little NFL. Most of the week we're talking about high school sports. We're talking about what's going on in the high school landscape. But getting a chance now to talk some NFL, always fun. When I get Brandon Schultz on the show and we chat with him from the Seahawkers Infield Goals podcast. Brandon, hope you're doing well, man. I am doing very well, Anthony. We're, we're not just talking NFL football. We're talking Seahawks football. Absolutely. Very much so. The Seahawks. The best kind of NFL football. <laughs> well, for you, yes. The best kind. Well, we can't talk about my kind because we're not exactly in that region. We're uh, time zone. Uh, That's true. <laughs> but Brandon, the Seahawks right now, 3-0. Once again, a nail-biter. Once again, Russell Wilson cooking and comes up with a W. It was it was another close game. And here again, back-to-back weeks, we're counting on the defense at the last moment to make a play. And they come through again. They nearly get the sack on Dak Prescott to take him down. They trip him up just enough to rush a throw. And they're able to intercept the pass in the end zone. And it's Ryan Neal that saves the day for the Seahawks. It, and each week it's seeming like it's a lot of the, you know, relatively unknown players because the week before it was LJ Collier and Lano Hill blowing up the offensive line and, and help him make the play on Cam Newton. So uh, kind of a, a new era for the Seahawks defense. You know, that's the thing, Brandon. A lot of people this week talked about it. Hey, the Seahawks are going to be a playoff team, you know, uh, but at the same time, this defense, once again, not a whole lot there. I mean, they gave up a lot of big plays to Dallas. They did have a big lead too late, but once again, gave it up. How concerned are you? They're making plays late, but I, can you always count on that? Yeah, it was a big topic of conversation on our Seahawkers podcast this week, because one of the things that you look at among those teams that have given up big yardage in the first three weeks of the season, you, you'll find teams that have gone to the playoffs and even that have gone to the Super Bowl in the case of the 2011 Patriots, who are the Seahawks. Are, are now have now allowed more yards than that 2011 Patriots team. But it was that team that got beat by the Giants that year. That was the same Giants team that took down the uh, 2011 Packers in the playoffs, who were also giving up big yardage early on in that season. So the common thread that you find of, of teams that, that tend to give up big yards in the passing game is that they they end up losing in the playoffs at some point, and you won't find a Super Bowl team among them. And that is a concern for a Seahawks team and a guy like Russell Wilson who wants to win a Super Bowl. At the same time, though, Brandon, it just kind of feels like almost the same way last year. I mean, you know, there were a number of games, you know, the game that you and I got to watch uh, with Tampa Bay. It came down towards the end. Offense was able to make plays, but it still shows that the offense is still able uh, to win football games. But it's just going to come down to Russell Wilson having the ball last. Right. And I think that is the the point that you take away as far as being optimistic about the Seahawks is that we're seeing Russell Wilson at the top of his game. And I feel like, you know, every time I come on now, every week, I'm talking about how great Russell has been in the previous week, but he's found a way to seemingly step it up week after week. And we saw in this game against the Cowboys, he had five touchdown passes. He probably should have had six touchdown passes against the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I can only imagine how fr- he made it up later with the big catch. 
But still, DK Metcalf with a big bonehead move. Yes, and the the thing was is that wasn't the play that got me the most angry. It was that we saw Tristan Hill trying to twist Chris Carson's leg off on the ground in that game, and I'm still waiting to see what the 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 fine or suspension is going to be for Hill. But gosh, that was unnecessary. And then a couple of plays later, he went helmet to helmet with Russell Wilson. It did allow the Seahawks another chance at the two-point conversion attempt, which they were able to convert. But man, that dude upset me more than than DK and his uh, <laughs> laziness walking into the end zone. Yeah, I was about to say, I know uh, Pete Carroll probably shared uh, similar feelings, it seemed like, on Monday, uh, talking about that particular play as well. Um, because, yeah, that was just... That, that 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 breaks the code for NFL players. You want to get anybody hurt. But the good news is, though, at least is that Carson wasn't seriously hurt. And it sounds like he has at least been participating in some kind of way at practice so far. Limited in practice so far. I think they'll probably just to be safe, keep him out in this game, go a little Carlos Hyde heavy and, and keep Travis Homer in the rotation rotation. Maybe even activate DJ Dallas for the first time. We haven't seen him make it on the game day roster yet. And he was their fourth round pick in the 2020 draft. So excited to see what they're going to do with him against the Dolphins. You know, the other frustrating thing that I think Pete was dialed in on was the fact that after the Seahawks went up 30 to 15 in this game, they allowed a three play 94 yard drive, which got the Cowboys back in this game in about 30 seconds. And that was frustrating to see, too. So, again, and, and you put that on the secondary as well. Just too many big plays that the Seahawks defense has given up. What do you attribute to that? I mean, I know Jamal Adams didn't exactly finish the game here, but what do you attribute to that here, uh, Brandon? Because, like, I mean, I, we, it's a trend so far because it seems like we've seen it back-to-back weeks. But, uh, once again, is, is this something that you think will get corrected and can get better? Well, it's not just a trend with the Seahawks. It seems to be a trend with the entire league not playing defense. Even the teams that we thought had a good defense going into this year, uh, you know, like a team like Buffalo is giving up a ton of points. You know, they nearly lost to the Dolphins, uh, allowed them to get back in the game. And then just last week, allowed the Rams to get back in the game. So I think it's a, a combination of maybe just bad defense early on league wide and then a function of the Seahawks getting up by two scores. And it's not something that we've seen a ton of, but you have three weeks now. They're up 31-12 to the Falcons before the Falcons you know, came throwing it right back. And then you had them up 35-23 with four and a half minutes left to go against the Patriots. And they're able to get back in it. And I mentioned before, they had to get that goal line stop. And then 30-15 to against the Cowboys. So teams are having to throw the football to get back in it. And they they're throwing it up against a weaker secondary than the I think Seahawks fans were expecting this year. And I think they have the veteran leadership to turn that around. But man, oh, man, we're going to have to see that if they're going to, you know, have any expectations of going deep into the playoffs, I think. Brandon, for a, a silver lining for this defense, only 61 yards on the ground, only 34 yards given up to Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head what they gave up in terms of rushing yards. Uh, to New England, but do you feel at least a little bit, hey, we can stop the run? It was fewer than 50 yards, I think, to New England, and that's that's including Cam Newton. Um, yeah, just 34 yards for Elliott, and even stopping Elliott in the passing game, just six catches for 24 yards, and he was dropping it all over the place. So that does... I was concerned that maybe the, the rushing defense in terms of yards... Uh, you know, if teams are, are passing the ball on your defense, well, it's not really indicative of you having a 
a, a defense that can stop the run, but with them being able to to stop Zeke Elliott, yeah, that that was a, a bonus coming out of this game. Brandon, now looking at uh, the game against the Miami Dolphins, this one's going to be tough. This is also going to be a hot one, going to be a scorcher uh, for the Seahawks coming across. They tend to struggle in those hot games early in the season on the East Coast. And is that going to be enough to slow down the Seahawks in this game? I don't know. They have a really crazy streak going in terms of their uh, early start times, you know, 11 a.m. start times here in uh, Montana time. They have a streak going back to, I believe, playing the Saints in 2016 to where they haven't lost in that time frame uh, since that time. And if you're a fan, if you're a Seahawks fan from the Holmgren era, you know that when they would travel east, it was almost like a 90 percent chance that they were going to lose the game. And somehow they're they're just on this crazy streak of traveling east. And winning games, if they get the win against Miami, that's about four years that they'll have gone now without losing in that particular time slot on the East Coast. What's one key for you in this game to to look at uh, as a positive here? Is it just defensively not letting Ryan Fitzpatrick beat you? (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have to get pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think with that offensive line, even, even with the struggles that they've had along the defensive line, you have to expect that they're able to get to Fitzpatrick Make him make mistakes. If you're getting up two scores again, I I feel like Fitzpatrick is one of those guys who is prone to turn over the football. You know, we see he's he's kind of a boomer bust quarterback to where he's on. If he's on, he's he's throwing it all over the field. And and if he's off, he's throwing it all over the field to the other team. And so we kind of have to hope for the latter uh, for the Seahawks in this game. But. You know, they've got some nice receivers in, uh, on the other side of the football, too. When you look at Mike Gesicki, uh, the tight end, that game that he had against Buffalo, it seemed like everything that Fitzpatrick threw up in the air, Gesicki was catching it. And, it. and even, I mean, balls that were way over his head. It was incredible. Brandon, do you think that we're gonna you're going to need to see another, I don't want to say heroic because Russell Wilson just seems to make this look normal now, uh, but do you think we're going to need to see another five-touchdown uh, over 300 yards passing type of performance for the Seahawks to win. I don't know if we need to see it to win, but I think we're going to get it because of the issues that the Dolphins have in the secondary. And if we're seeing Russell Wilson tear apart secondaries like the New England Patriots, and then you know, the Cowboys had their injury issues in the secondary as well, I see that with the the Dolphins, you know, very similar to to the Cowboys and with a lot less pass rush up front for that Dolphins defensive line. So you don't have Alden Smith to worry about or Demarcus Lawrence or uh, Everson Griffin with the Cowboys. You have some relatively unknown guys on that defensive line. So I end with the Seahawks offensive line playing so well for a change. I think that's going to give Russell Wilson a ton of time to pick apart this defense and, and lead us toward another game where he's just putting up big points. Right now, we're with Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers in Field Goals podcast. We'll continue with more. We'll make all NFL picks next here on the Knock on Sports. Brandon Schultz is my guest, joining us on the Whitefish Credit Union hotline from the Seahawkers in Field Goals podcast as we make our NFL picks. Brandon, you and I are tied up at 31 wins, 16 losses, and of course, for some strange reason, nobody wanted to win the Cincinnati-Philadelphia game. We have one tie as well. 
I don't believe you. I think I crushed you the first week so badly that I, I still have a pick on you. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't think I need to leave this up to you to do the math, but I, I'll t- I guess I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, I will double check. I will double check my math here and make sure. But I will say this. You did have some games where we went against each other and you didn't quite win. Uh, thinking of Sunday night football and Monday night football where you picked the Ravens. And you picked the Saints. Yeah, that got me. That was a, a rough end to our week. Although, you know, the other thing was, is we both got that pick wrong of uh, San Francisco and the <laughs> Giants. So I, I feel uh, I don't feel great about losing on that pick. Yeah, I was about to say. And also Atlanta. We trusted Atlanta again and they they screwed us. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that could be a continuing theme this season, I think. <laughs> well, we'll wonder if Dan Quinn even survives the season as the head coach. But uh, either way, uh, Brandon, let's start Thursday night football, the winless Broncos versus the winless Jets. Who'd you have? I'm going to take the team that's winless uh, and just leave it at that. No, <laughs> I have the, I have the Jets down. I'm taking the Broncos. I like Brett Rippon. I think he's got a chance uh, to get a win tonight. But you've got the Jets. I got the Broncos. I'll take the first string quarterback over the third string quarterback. We'll see how it plays. Uh, going to Sunday's action, Indianapolis at Chicago. Nick Foles leading the Bears. Yeah, that has given me enough, I think, to go ahead and take the Bears now that Foles is the full-time starter. I'm, I'm going to take him over the Colts. Wow, I'm we're, we're, wow, we're starting off on the right foot here. I'm taking the Colts <laughs> to beat the Bears. I know they've come back and, and won multiple games already, but I, I trust old man Rivers uh, in the Colts to, to find a way to get it done. So. All right, uh, against each other. We'll see if this is a continuing theme. Uh, Jacksonville at Cincinnati. I like the Jaguars. I think Gardner Minshew bounces back. Oh, we're going to continue this, huh? I, I think Cincinnati, they'll get the win here against the Jaguars and, and get their first win of the season. Okay, then. All right, so off to a great start. We're gonna, I'm either going to really lose this week <laughs> or uh, really be in the uh, win column. Uh, Cleveland at Dallas. I think this will be a close game, but I, I got the Cowboys. Okay. Well, I, this is our first consensus pick. I'm also taking the Cowboys to bounce back and take charge of that NFC East division. New Orleans at Detroit. Uh, Detroit gets their first win against the Cardinals. I don't think the Saints drop three in a row as much as I would like to and as much as my spite for the Saints would like to say so. Uh, but I think the Saints win, so I'll take the Saints over the Lions. Wow. See, I thought I would be with you on this one going with Detroit. See, the fact that they were able to stop Kyler Murray and that short game passing attack, I think that puts them in position to stop the short game passing attack that Drew Brees has with the Saints. So I have Detroit getting the win here. Is Detroit your upset pick? That is my upset pick this week. All right. Although I, I may have one more. Okay. All right. Well, I'm surprised. I really thought we were going to be consistent on this one, but not so much. Uh, Seattle at Miami. I don't think I'll be surprised here. I'm taking the Seahawks. Yeah. Just about everybody else, I think, has taken the Seahawks in this game. Chargers at Tampa Bay. No shock here. I'm taking Tampa Bay. I'll go with you and take Tampa as well. Baltimore at Washington. I feel like this is going to be a consensus pick easy. Uh, I'm taking Baltimore. Yeah, most people taking Baltimore in this one uh, to bounce back uh, to that loss to the Chiefs. I, I think they'll be able to do it even on the road in Washington. I was about to, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, Brandon. I mean, what do you think? Baltimore got torched by the Chiefs. Uh, that game, it may be looking closer because of the score, but at the same time, at times, the Chiefs looked like they were just firmly in control of that one. Do you think anyone can touch the Chiefs? I, I do think so. I think, well, we saw that Chargers game where they somehow were able to hold up the Chiefs and 
I guess it was a divisional matchup and and you never really can count on those. But I I think we'll see some teams able to slow down the Chiefs, but they are looking like the consensus AFC favorite easily. Uh, Looking at Arizona at Carolina. Uh, Arizona's won some games, but Carolina's been in their games the last couple of weeks, getting their win last week uh, against the Chargers. I got the Arizona Cardinals in this one. I've taken Arizona too to to bounce back on this one, but yeah, that's it's interesting to see Carolina hanging in there and and even getting the win there last week. Minnesota at Houston, the Vikings and the Texans here. Texans look like they almost were going to upset the Steelers, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I think Houston finally gets their win. Yeah, it is time for Houston to get their win, and that Minnesota defense is bad. So I think Houston just got the unlucky draw of three really, really good teams straight out of the gate, and I think we could see them going on a run here to to work through this middle of the season. Rams going back to the state of New York is uh, wait. Oh, nope. That's the Giants at the Rams. My bad. Travel departures all squared away there. Uh, Giants at Rams. I got the Rams anyway. It's a good thing you're not the pilot. Uh, I'm going to take the Rams in this one, too. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think I'm qualified to fly. Uh, New England at Kansas City. I'm taking Mahomes. I will take Mahomes, too. You know, it's it's going to be tough to predict where their losses actually come from. So I feel like you can just pencil me in for the Chiefs every single week. Yeah, pretty much the same here. Me, too. Uh, I kind of feel like, yeah, we, we we might pick them to go 16 and 0. There's got to be one that probably drops them, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Buffalo at Las Vegas. I'm a big believer in Josh Allen because he is helping all my fantasy teams big time. <laughs> so I'm taking the bills. This could be another close one, though, because Vegas has been playing teams pretty tight. And that Buffalo defense just not as strong as I thought it would be. But Josh Allen taking care of the football. I like the bills, too. Yeah, he just played really, really well. Give me a fun matchup because the Seahawks have the Bills, don't they? They do coming up, yeah, here in their tough part of the schedule. They they go to Buffalo, and so that's going to be an interesting matchup coming up. Philadelphia at San Francisco. I, I'm not really sure who wants to win this ball game. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I want not- Philly to win so badly. I'm going to take San Francisco and then just be really, really happy if Philadelphia gets the upset, but... Philly just has not been playing well. It wouldn't shock me, though, if they got the win here. Yeah, I was going to say, Philly might have a chance, but we'll see. Uh, Monday Night Football, Atlanta. Who are, who are you taking between San Fran and Philly? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm taking San Francisco. Okay. I'm taking the 49ers in this one. I just don't trust the, the, the MASH unit of Philadelphia. They haven't shown that they can score yet. Yeah, whereas the MASH unit in San Francisco seems to be winning regardless. So, <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, Nick Mullins. Who needs Jimmy Garoppolo? That's right. Uh, Atlanta at Green Bay. I'm taking Green Bay. They're hot. And besides, you can't trust Atlanta with a lead. You can't trust them. But this is my other upset pick for the week. I've taken the Falcons to finally pull it off. And, you know, maybe Devontae Adams plays. Maybe he doesn't. Lazard is down. So you have receivers dropping in Green Bay. But I, I think Atlanta, this is the one where they pull off. They're, they're so upset after losing these last th- three weeks that they actually put it together and get the win. All right, so we got a couple of games where we went against each other. Most of them, about half, we were pretty much consensus on, but it should be really interesting. We're both tied at 31 and 16 and 1 at this current moment. I will double-check my numbers uh, once we are done here tonight, but again, should be interesting to see what happens as we make our NFL picks and what the results will be after week number four of the NFL. I can't believe we're already at week number four, Brandon. Wild. What, didn't we just start week one? I, I think so, and we're already a quarter of the way through the season after this week. 
Talking about the division real quick, Brandon, just give me your thoughts here because obviously the Rams, they look they, they look like a completely different team from, from last season. The defense, even though they did give up a bunch of points to Buffalo, uh, Aaron Donald already in defensive MVP form. Uh, Arizona looks like they're going to be dangerous. San Francisco, again, with their injuries, who knows with their defense. But what do you think about the division right now? Yeah, they're all playing for second place, so that's fine. Uh, the, the Rams, though, I do feel like are probably the team to that I worry about the most out of that group. But it is going to be a tough division. And, you know, you hear some people wondering, you know, just how many playoff teams they could field out of the NFC West now that there's going to be seven playoff teams from each division. That's going to be really, really interesting. My featured guest, Brandon Schultz from the Seahawkers and Field Goals podcast. Brandon, if they want to catch the latest episode of the podcast, how can they do that? Check out the latest episode of the Seahawkers podcast up at SeahawkersPodcast.com. And you can subscribe to Field Goals and any of the SB Nation podcasts at SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Brandon, just want to give you an update. Uh, Sam Darnold just went to the locker room. So we've got the number three quarterback and the number two quarterback now playing in this game. <laughs> Joe Flacco. I'm counting on Joe Flacco to get me the win now. Excellent. <laughs> Brandon, always appreciate the time. Always appreciate the insight, my man. Look forward to chatting with you next week. Appreciate it, Anthony. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.